Okay, we are continuing our series, Bible Answers for Life Questions. We are answering the question, how do I study the Bible? And uh, we're going through actually four lessons. We, the first lesson was basic truths about the Bible. Last week we talked about meditation. What is it that we look for when we're studying the Bible? Today we're going to talk about interpretation. What is God saying? Whenever you and I study the Bible, the Bible is God's love letter to us. It's God's instructions to us. So ultimately, when I study the Bible, I need to ask the question, what is God saying? Because that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I think it says. It doesn't matter that I can twist it and make it say what I want it to say. The only thing that really works is what God really says. So that's why when we study the Bible, the biggest question we can answer is, what is God saying? And that's what interpretation is all about. Look at me at 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Paul is writing to Timothy. By the way, this is the last book that the Apostle Paul wrote before he was martyred outside the city of Rome. And he's giving Timothy basically the last set of instructions that he'll get. Verse 14, chapter 2. Keep reminding them of these things. Talking to Timothy. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Now, let me stop right here. What Paul is telling Timothy is simply this. There are those who, in the spiritual realm, want to take words from the Scripture, twist them to mean what they want them to mean, and then they want to argue with you about it. Basically what he says, Paul or Timothy, don't give in to this. Don't do this because it's of no value and basically it ruins everybody that's involved in it. Arguing over who's right and who's wrong is a total irrelevant activity for a Christian. The bottom line is, well, what does God say? It doesn't matter what I think. What does God say? If I don't know how to properly interpret the Scripture... I'm never going to know what God says. So that's what Paul is beginning to address here. Now, he goes on and says in verse 15, Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and look at this, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Timothy, you need to learn to rightly divide the Scripture. You need to work it. By the way, he says you've got to be a workman. It takes work. You've got to study. Does it come through osmosis? Timothy, you can't lay down at night, lay the scroll over your head, and it just automatically sinks in. You've got to work at it. You've got to study. But what you're working for is so that you properly and correctly handle the Scripture. That's what's important. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. What is he saying? Basically, Timothy, anything that is referred to or discussed that is not what God is saying in the Scripture is totally and completely without value. And those who do it just get worse and worse at their ungodliness. So, bottom line, Paul says, Timothy, God's given us the Scripture so we can know what God says. You've got to work at studying it. 
knowing it, and correctly handling it, not only in your own life, but in the lives of those to whom you minister to. So that is our goal today. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you several things that basically pans out to be a, a very simple survey of what in uh, seminaries called the study of biblical hermeneutics. Now, all that means is it's the study of Bible interpretation and how you do it properly. So I'm going to give you an overview of that. First of all, number one, the Bible is God's Word speaking to us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, the Bible tells us that the Word of God did not come by the will of man. It wasn't the prophet's own opinion, but God spoke to us through them as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. God spoke to us through them. What is the Bible? God speaking to us. The Bible also talks about this in John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. 414 times in the King James Bible, the phrase, thus saith the Lord, is used. 414 times the Bible reminds us the Scripture is the thus saith the Lord. It's God speaking to us. Okay? So the first thing we've got to understand to properly interpret the Scripture is the Bible is God talking to us. So if God's telling me something, I want to know what He's trying to say. I don't want to just use it as a text to mean anything I want it to mean. Now, let's move on to the second thing. Some basic principles of Bible interpretation. Uh, and there are seven of these. Let me give them to you. Number one, when you study the Bible, we study it in context. That means where it's written. If all I have to do is use a phrase that is included in the Bible to prove it's okay to do something, I can prove anything. I can prove anything. I can prove to you from the Bible that you ought to go out, commit suicide by hanging yourself, do it immediately, and do it to the best of your ability. The Bible says Judas went out and hanged himself. The Bible also says, go down and do likewise. The Bible also says, what thou doest, doest with all thy might. And all of that's in the Bible. So if I can just pull Bible verses out and make them mean anything I want them to mean, then I'm telling all of you right now, you need to get up from here and go out and hang yourself on the yard and do it really, really good. That's ridiculous, isn't it? So that's, and by the way, is that what God is trying to tell us? In those verses. Of course not. So it, there, there's no purpose in that. So you've got to study it in its context. That is where it is. How many of you had American and or English lit when you were in college? Let me see your hand. Alright? I had those classes. You know the, the old, well not the only thing, but one of the things I liked about those classes was the teacher that I had would take those stories and she would go through them paragraph by paragraph in the order they were written. And she would break down the style of writing, what was being said, what the author was trying to communicate. And do you know, when you did it from beginning to end, line by line, it kind of made sense. However, if you pick that story up and it's 14 pages long, and you know how the English and American lit books are. I mean, they're about 14 inches thick, and they're about that big, you know. 
and the words are so little you got to have a microscope to see them. What's your assignment? Read five pages. Oh, good. Until you realize the pages are three feet by three feet with millimeter letters on them. It takes four days to read that stuff. But then, it, it, suppose I grab it. Well, you know, I, I'm a speed reader. And so I just, you know. And all of a sudden, something catches my eye. I stop and I read three paragraphs. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Why? Because I don't know the context. I don't know what's going on. Why is it that we study normal social literature like that, but with the Bible, we want to just pull it out and make it mean whatever we want it to mean? You can't do that. The Bible has to be studied in context. Number two, learn the topic of the book. Holman Publishers has several small Bible study books. One of them actually goes through every book of the Bible and gives you the topic, the key verse, the author, tells you all about them. If you're interested, I'll give you the name of it. Uh, just send me an email, bill at billcrockett.com, and I'll be glad to send it to you. That little book will help you to understand the topics of these books. For example, 2 Timothy. The topic of the book is Paul instructing Timothy about how to run the ministry after he's gone. When you understand that, all of a sudden the whole book takes on a whole new light. You understand what's going on. Number three, the author of the book. Paul wrote that book. Number four, the historical setting of the passage or the book. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote that book? He was in a Roman prison right after his second appearance before Nero. Which means he knew he was going to execution. That makes the book mean that much more. When Paul comes to the end, he talks about the fact that he's ready to go. He's not afraid. Timothy, carry on the work. When you understand what the book is about, it makes the whole thing come to a new light. Another thing, compare it with other Scripture. Question, are there contradictions in the Bible? Yes or no? Absolutely not. If there are, you're a fool for sitting here today. If there are contradictions in this book, you're a bigger fool than the people who believe the Bible. Because why are you basing and sitting here for 45 minutes listening to some crazy man teach you out of a book that's got errors in it and telling you this is how you ought to live your life? The truth is there are no errors. How do we know that? We compare Scripture with Scripture. You've got to put the whole book in context and compare one scripture with another to make sure you understand the full meaning. I'll give you an example of that in just a minute. Next, another principle. Understand the meaning and the grammar of the original languages. Now, how many of you have had a Greek class? You've studied the Greek language. Okay. How many of you have had Hebrew and you've studied the Hebrew language? I haven't. But I can tell you the, Hebrew, the English meaning of Hebrew words in the Old Testament. You know how? I've learned the tools to use that help me. And I'm going to share some of those with you in just a minute. So you can get tools to help you learn those things. You don't have to be a seminary graduate. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You can learn those, okay? And then finally, understand the main purpose of the passage. And here's where you compare Scripture with Scripture. James chapter 2 says that faith without works is dead. People actually take this passage of Scripture to say that you have to earn 
and keep your salvation by doing right. Faith without works is dead. However, in the book of Romans chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul said, faith is applied to our lives and righteousness through faith without the works of the law. Okay, so which one of you guys is right? Paul, is it without works or James, is it with works? Well, if you'll study the context and compare the Scripture with the Scripture, what James is saying is if you claim to have real faith and it's never changed your life, then it's probably not real. Show me your faith without your works. James says, I will prove to you I have faith by my life. My life is evidence that I am truly born again and the Spirit of God controls my life. doesn't mean I'm perfect. But my life is different because I have been born again. Okay? You see the difference? James is not saying you've got to work to get your salvation. And Paul is not saying that you get salvation by faith and then you can live any way you want to. But when you understand the main purpose of the passage, and then you put the two together and compare Scripture with Scripture, then you understand what the Bible is saying. Realizing now, there are no contradictions in the Bible. So it cannot be a contradiction. There has to be an answer. And when you study the passage, that helps you to understand that. Okay? Everybody got that? I know we're going fast. Let's go to the next thing. Here are some basic tools you can use when you're studying the Bible. Okay? Number one, a good concordance. This is a great language tool. If you, if you don't have a strong concordance, and by the way, today you can get everything electronically. There are great, if you've got an iPad or an iPhone, there are some great apps that actually have these tools already built into them. I mean, you can get a Bible that actually has words underlined with the Strong's number under it. That is a hyperlink. You can click it. It'll actually open the Strong's definition and tell you what it is right there. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that. But a good concordance, Strong's concordance is the most popular, will help you be able to understand Greek and Hebrew words. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. If you ever hear someone talk about the Septuagint, that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's just the Old Testament Hebrew translated into Greek instead of English. That's all that is. All right? But Strong will give you the Hebrew for the Old Testament and the Greek for the New Testament. Uh, a good commentary. Find a good commentary. Uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown writes a good commentary. Matthew Henry writes a good commentary. Both of these are real thick and very extensive. What does a commentary do? It helps you to get ideas from men who have studied the Scripture about the practical side of what God is saying. And it's a great tool to help you. Number three, a cross-reference. How many of you have, in the middle of your Bible on the page, you've got this little section that's got two lines on the left and the right, and it's got verse numbers and all these different verses down the middle. That's a cross-reference. And literally all that is, is if something is said in a verse where there's another place in the Bible that refers to the same thing, if you look up that verse number and the letter beside it, it'll give you the reference someplace else in the Bible that talks about the same thing. That's a cross-reference. It helps you to compare Scripture with Scripture. And by the way, there are electronic tools to help you do that. I've got one that I'll start studying one word. And I'll spend 45 minutes going from one reference to the other, 
studying that word within the scripture and what it means. You will be amazed at the understanding it will help you get by doing it. And anybody can do it. You just need the right tool, a cross-reference. And then finally, a good study Bible. And by that I mean a Bible that has study tools already in it. Some of them, like a Schofield Bible, uh, has notes at the bottom. Ryrie, there are some other ones. There's a Thompson Chain Reference Bible that actually takes topics and gives you chain references following that topic throughout the Bible. So, and, and there are lots of other ones, too. Those are just a few. If you'll go to any good Bible bookstore, you can find those. But I would recommend that you get a Bible that is a study Bible. Now, if you've got these little ones, you know, that don't have nothing in them but the words, and you carry them around just so you got a Bible, that's okay. But for the real Bible student, which, by the way, we should all be. We should all be Bible students because that's what we are. We're Christians. We are, we're supposed to know the Scripture. You need a good study Bible. Okay? Um, let's look at one more thing. Uh, some simple steps to follow when you're studying the Bible. Let me give you six very simple ways to start studying the Bible, and then we're going to have to stop. Number one, read the passage. Now, somebody says, well, why would you say that? Read the whole thing. Don't just read one verse. Read the whole thing so you understand what's going on. Okay. Now, one place, a couple places where you might not have to do that, Psalms and Proverbs. That's a couple of places where one verse may be enough because those are small poetic books many times written in the Hebrew in verses that are only one or two lines and many times that makes up the verse. So, Psalms and Proverbs could be situations where you would only have to read one or two verses. Primarily, the Bible is a narrative. So, it, it's describing events and situations. So, you'll probably want to read at least that, that whole section dealing with that one incident. So, you get the idea, okay? So, read the passage. Number two, study the background and determine the purpose. Okay? Who wrote it? When was it written? Why was it written? And what was the purpose? Okay, Second Timothy. Paul wrote it. He was in prison. He was about to be executed. And the purpose was he was instructing Timothy how to carry on the ministry. Okay? Number three, study the verses word for word. Words in the verse that you don't understand. Get your concordance. Look them up in the Greek or the Hebrew language. It may give you a better understanding. Use your Webster's Dictionary. We have an English translation of the Bible. So we used words in our English language to describe what was being said. Pull out your Webster's Dictionary if you're not certain what it means. Okay? But study the words. Don't just read over them and assume you know what they mean. Again, why are we doing this? We really want to know what God is saying to me. I want to understand. God, what are you telling me to do? So, study the words. Um, number four, investigate the meaning and the use of the words. We talked a little bit about that. Number five, determine the practical application. By the way, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about how do I apply the Bible. The lesson next week is application. What is God saying to me? There's only one interpretation of the Scripture. There's not four or five different interpretations. There's only one. There are many applications. Have you ever heard... Dr. Carney say, 
Um, you know, I, I teach this lesson. However, the Holy Spirit takes that same statement that He makes and He, he applies it to individuals' lives and it means different things to different people. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He takes the Scripture in its primary interpretation and He applies it as it's needed in each of our individual lives where we need it. That's, by the way, why I can teach one lesson but give study questions for different life situations that may bring about totally different applications. One interpretation, but there are many applications. Ultimately, once I know what God says, I've got to know what God is saying to me. Because without that, it doesn't do any good. James says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, when God told Joshua how to be successful, He said the book of the law would not depart out of your mouth. You should meditate therein day and night. Why? So you can observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then your way will be prosperous and you will be successful. Only when we do what God is saying to us are we successful. Not just because we know what He says. Oh, well, now I know what He says. That's great. I'm going to go on and do what I want to do. I've got to know what He's saying to me. That's the application. And then that's the last thing. Ask yourself the question. Now that I understand the interpretation, from this, what is God saying to me? And we'll talk more about that next week. Okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your Word. There's so much to learn. And there's so much that we could talk about with so little time. Lord, we ask that Your Holy Spirit, as You have promised, will be our teacher as we read it. That You will help us to understand what You're saying and show us clearly what You're saying to us. Lord, give each of us a hunger and a desire to want to know what You're saying in the Scripture. So much so that we spend time in it every day trying to find out Your direction for our life that day. Father, give us wisdom and strength this week as we make our decisions. May people see Christ in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. See you, everybody. Have a good week.